This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew here with my guy, Spencer. Spencer, during the international break, Scott McTominay scored how many goals? What's going on? (laughs) Sniper Scott McTominay. Scotty T bagging the goals now. He had two off the bench and then two to beat uh, Spain. Like, What's happening? Uh, I I, I think it, the uh, the obvious answer is that man Eric Ten Hag is just holding our boy down in Manchester back, United. Clearly. He needs a big move to a bigger club, like uh, maybe a Barcelona or something. They like everybody that just scores <laughs> goals randomly, and Spotify just fronts a check to sign him. So let's get Scotty to Barcelona, maybe, eh? Play that Spotify. open, expansive football. Spotify McTominay. Just change his <laughs> name legally. No, uh, but we're back Spotify here. Spotify Scott. Yeah, <laughs> Scotty Spotify. I think just Scottify. I think you just go Scottify. right to Scottify. Oh, Spotify. I to, look, I love how we we just brainstorm. <laughs> we just workshop that one live and in person. That's how the pie's baked around here. Uh, side question: Is Scott McTominay the least Barcelona player ever? Um, yeah, probably. Like <laughs> maybe like a. Ah, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna try to think of somebody, maybe a better example, like somebody probably at Bournemouth or something, maybe like a Gareth yeah, Barry. But, that but sounds like, but, like a very not. Barcelona but Gareth player. Barry would never have the opportunity when you're like, when you just when you take his name off and you're like, man, he came through the Man United youth system. He started a ton of games, but he might be looking for a move. What do you think, bud? I mean, sure, he's not taking Casemiro out, but maybe they could get him on kind of a. And then it's like it's Scott. Like mm, no. I would venture to say, and I don't want to even look this up, there's never been a Scott who's played for uh, Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> they just flat out won't hire a Scott. Yeah. Um, well, Scott- <laughs> we might need a, like we said, we, we might have to just pitch him the Scottify thing. And Scottify, still, yeah. like they're, they're strapped for cash, right? So like, just give them this, tell them like, look, you know how much mm-hmm. ad money you could get with this Scottify? You could milk that cow for at least a couple months. You could have a nice little ad campaign. <laughs> and... <laughs> You can afford another winger for $50 million and we can do this whole dance again next year where you guys don't have any money and you didn't win the Champions League. And what's going to happen? Oh, my God. Oh, no. And well, it'll be fun. Everybody will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, man. There'll be Scottify. He'll be the biggest, you know, 5.45 million more listeners, the entire population of Scotland. It'll be great. <laughs> it'll be great. But uh, getting into it, though. How you been, man? Been good? Pretty good, man. Uh, I've taken the international break as a like whole. It's been a good break to just watch other things and like not focus as much on soccer and like you know, uh, like I, I took in a couple like European qualifiers. But uh, first off, like a gripe before we even kind of get to it, yep. I don't like that they have moved to Fox Sports here in the U.S. because they don't show like any games. They like pick a premier game. And they show it like it's 2014 or something again. It's like, oh, you can watch this game. And I uh, miss ESPN Plus already (laughs) where it's just like if I want to watch Faroe Islands versus, you know, 
Lithuania. I can watch it. I don't know why you'd want to watch it, but I can watch it on ESPN Plus. Exactly. Yeah, and ESPN ESPN Plus did at least give you that option. There's, I mean, we've talked before yeah, about the 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 downfall of ESPN, but ESPN Plus they had the options. They were not worried about streaming it to you, man. They would get you in on time. Yeah, you can watch whatever you want on there. Like you might have a literal like chimpanzee doing commentary because they couldn't find anybody for that Faroe Islands versus Lithuania game. But you know what? That's fine. That's fine. I'll listen to a chimp uh, give me his thoughts on the high press of the Faroe Islands for the match. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're basically being robbed of that with the Fox Sports. I, I agree. It was harder to find. I didn't, I, I didn't realize it was a Fox Sports problem. Right. But you saying that makes me go, yep, that's that's 100 percent the problem I had is when I tried to find it. But there's so many other good sports on right now. NCAA tournaments winding down. Our bracket got absolutely demolished last weekend. Who's didn't? Well, thanks, Creighton. Thanks, Texas, namely for me and you. Thanks. Um, I I could I could go on. I could use this platform to just go at like 30 different teams, man. So that's a slippery slope here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just waiting to pay Megan and making sure there's no other ways not to do that but again congratulations megan on, on taking home another championship here in the well, bracket I, game um i think i told you this today, yeah for sure baseball too that's exciting I, I think i told you circling back to the ncaa basketball tournament thing um out of our whole entire group of what we had like 30 30 brackets or so in there and yeah, there was one know. person that guessed a single final four team, right? I'm pretty sure. And it was my <laughs> wife who's never watched a college basketball game in her entire life. No, Linda on the late charge here, man. Getting uh... on the late charge. Go hurricanes, but it's not going to be enough because the beginning of the bracket was so bad. Way to go, Linda. <laughs> yeah. Anti anticlimactic from that perspective, but an awesome tournament. This is why you love the upsets. This is, this is why we do it, but uh, a little anticlimactic from the, uh, the bracket pool game, but we've got, you know, more American things to talk about. We've got literal baseball opening day today. The Chicago Cubs are victorious, never looking back for nothing. Put a Cy Young winner out in the fifth inning. Um, 162 and 0. 162 and 0. I don't see any other way it could go. Dansby Swanson's the best shortstop in baseball. Everything's great. Um, how the Cardinals? Cardinals doing well? Um, which part of the Cardinals? <laughs> they're, hit, they're hitting pretty well. The uh, pitchers. Sure. Not so great. 8-7 as we sit here right now, but uh, we'll see how this uh, – oh, oh, hold on. It was 8-7 before oh, we started talking. We're going to go 9-8. We've got, uh, we've got some bottom of the eighth action, a ground rule double for Mr. Nolan Arenado plating two. So can't wait to see the bullpen blow this in the top of the ninth. But uh, so I, well, far, I mean, so good I, I think Arenado could blow it too. I think the last time I've saw him, seen him play baseball, he booted a couple balls. All so. right, careful now. Um, hey, listen. Um, but something we can absolutely agree on, the U.S. men's national team was in action on Friday and Monday there. That's um, a fact. Featuring a 7-1 win over Grenada on Friday and a 1-0 win over El Salvador on Monday. What were you – I know I watched the games, you watched the condensed highlights there, just you know, in all transparency. What was your takeaway – let's start with Grenada from the Grenada game. Um, my takeaway from the Grenada, is it Grenada or Granada? I've heard it both ways. Eh, not worried about it. 
I'm going to go Granada. Well, you, you you can keep saying Grenada. I'll say Granada, and that way we can cover all our bases. You say Grenada. I say Granada. Yeah, potato, 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 Grenada, whatever. Grenada. Yeah, <laughs> Granada, the Granada game. Um, Grenada I, I don't know. That's that's like a tough one to have takeaways, right? They win seven one. Uh good showing by the boys. Like, but Hold is on. it? Uh, I did just remember because we can't figure out how to say the country name. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Um, but they're called the Spice Boys is like their nickname. nickname. Like the reggae boys would be the Jamaican team. So to be honest, I'm just rooting for their women's team. Because if there's a Spice Spice Boys, I would assume they'd be the Spice Girls. Which, you know, then you get a lot of English people coming over to play for you. It's, it's, uh, you get the Beckhams, I think, and all play for Grenada. I'm not quite sure how I was about to say, I'd venture to tell you that if the (laughs) Grenada men's team is getting beat by the U.S. 7-1. I do not want to see what the U.S. women's team would do to the Spice Girls. I think Great it might be point. might be uh, at least 14-2 to two at that point. We might double it up. But, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, in a nutshell, my thoughts on the game sort of there, right? Is It's seven goals. Like, is it harsh for me to say that that's what you'd expect? Like, that's... Uh, anything less right than a convincing victory would have been red flags galore uh-huh. in this game. So like, you're happy to see it, right? The guys go out. Um, they played with some swagger. Some of the guys, it looked like they played with some confidence. They were pretty free flowing and it looked like they were having fun out there, which is good. Like a couple mm-hmm. like nice dribbles and skill moves and stuff out there. So you love to see him play with that swagger and stuff, but it's, it's just one of those games where the co- level of competition we've seen them struggle with lower competition before, but this is almost to a level of like, it's Granada. Like you, you needed to beat them very convincingly, convincingly. And they did that. So fair play. Um, happy to see some of the guys get on the score sheet. Happy to see like Luca De La Torre had a couple of assists in this game with uh, Tyler Adams, not at camp. He got some running yeah, the field in these pictures. So yep. that was nice. So, but yeah, it's it's really hard to take a ton away from it. I don't know. Did you have any overreaching like type of yeah? Um, out of this? I I think Grenada's back four and goalie might be the worst individual collection of defenders I've ever seen. Um, this was like a seven-one in the way that like it, it it was it was a beating right. It was it was not close, but at the same time, it was like soft goal after soft you know what i mean like it was yeah. like they were beating him but like i think it's i think it's pulisic's goal in the 49th minute it's just like an easy day one save you assume any goalkeeper would like have and he yeah. just like spills it into the back of the net so um well the u.s I was scoring think... off like set pieces that's how you know that this the oh yeah competition's that's, not there <laughs> that's true um i do think uh i think peppy played well he had two goals um weston was good um Austin Trusty I think had a pretty good game. They had a and like it was the first time we got to see like Scally on the left, Reynolds on the right, um and then like the 4231 that you my friend have been uh, looking for forever like we got Reyna centrally in this game, right? For the first time like Anthony Hudson just throwing it all against the wall to see what sticks. Um but no, there's there's no like takeaway from this game other than like you know, Grenada bad at soccer. The U.S. showed up and they were they were good. So you, I, you can only I think you, you can I only, think there's a lot more to take from the one nil 
to El Salvador. Right. Yeah. I think that like the, the Granada game, it's, you, you can only play who's put in front of you. Right. So, and we, like I said there, nope. Unhappy dog. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, you expect them to win convincingly. They did that. So great. Well on the boys, the El Salvador game, Lower competition still, right? But this is a team that's at least always, almost always in the hex when you get to CONCACAF oh, yeah. World Cup this qualifying is, this is, and such. This is hexy right here. This is, yeah, this is a, this is a this was a more of a hexy fixture right here. Yeah. And little tense. Like, I didn't think the U.S. played bad in this game. They just struggled to really find that goal for a while until the choo-choo, the peppy train came in and off the bench to replace Daryl D. And uh, another goal in this camp. He had a hell of a camp, and yeah. that was enough uh, to see that game through one nil. Some more takeaways yeah. from that, right? I think I think that they played well. I, I didn't think it was a bad game by any means. Like, look, El Salvador, as we just said, they're a hexy team. They're well versed in being Concacafy, right, and <laughs> playing that low block kind of really trying to frustrate the bigger teams, the U.S., the Mexicos of Concacaf. Mm-hmm. And they did just that for a long time until what yeah. was it, the eighth, the fifty eighth or sixty eighth minute that the U.S. Scored, yeah, it's so. it's it's the they gave Daryl DK an hour, and Daryl DK I mm-hmm. think was actually pretty good in this game. Um, mm-hmm. At the hour mark, Pepe's first touch is a beautiful ball in behind from Weston McKinney. Um, the kind of thing I think he does more when Adams isn't there, um, where it's like a it's a I feel like he gets forward so well when Adams is on the field. Um, but I think McKenney and Musa both had kind of weird games because they're used to that freedom that Adams kind of provides. But no, McKenney gets a ball, puts it on his right foot, drops a beautiful ball. And then our boy Ricardo with just a disgusting little chip of the keeper um, to give us 62 to give us a goal here in the 62nd minute. It was uh it was really nice. It was a good, I think, performance from like El Salvador, right? Um, and if we, it's the kind of thing like if we had our coach, right? Whoever that's going to be, right? I think this is the game that people online get furious about. Yeah. Right. That what one nil to El Salvador? It's like mm, you don't know enough about Concacaf, man. El Salvador's tough. They show up to play, right? Them and like Honduras are the teams where you go, we should beat them by fifty in your head, and then. No man, they're they're good at soccer. They have like for a limited population and limited resources, they are a good like solid team. So beating them, like if this was a nil nil, I think we'd all be very frustrated with that. Um, just with kind of the first choice lineup we were able to put out, like you know, this is just as good as any lineup we really put out for the World Cup minus Tyler Adams. You know, um, I think that just says a lot. I think that just says a lot. Yeah, and I think also to be fair to the boys a bit, and this is like a slippery slope, I think at times, but this is this was a game going into it, right, where all they had to do was not lose to El Salvador, and they were going to win their group and move on in this Concacaf Nations League qualifying. Mm-hmm. So um, they were going to get to the semifinals as long as they didn't lose the game. They got up. El Salvador was always going to have to try to make it ugly. Nick won at the end, and they. Did it for a while, but uh, didn't hold on, man. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I I can't like you said with the manager thing. We don't have. We were experimenting a little bit in this game, also with the squad kind of playing a different formation than what we have the last few years with these players. Um, getting some new guys in there. This was a this was a much more 
bread and butter lineup than what they put out against Granada. Like certainly at least at the back for sure with, uh, yeah. miles Robinson yeah. and Tim. This Ream was at the, back the first then, choice. This was the first choice team for the most part outside of pretty close, think, like yeah. as close yeah. as you were going to probably get in this camp. Um, yeah, this was your first choice of what you had available. And so, yeah, like a little, you, you'd like to, yeah, sure. I, you want to wipe everybody five to nothing and that'd be great, but it's, that's not the way CONCACAF works any for teams like it's the never US, worked. right? It's, it's not the way, well, it's, it's the way it never works. Even like Mexico gets tough. Game. Like, you know what I mean? Like we focus on the US, but like Mexico and Canada also get tripped up with these teams, right? They really right. but it's about avoiding it. It's about one kind of special i mean and that's how soccer is in general right it's about the one special moment and that's all you need right so great job peppy with that finish there i think dk maybe can feel a little hard he was they did not know what to do with a man that size like refereeing wise (laughs) there was one there was one ball in particular he gets uh somebody digs it out at the back i think it's probably miles robinson and kind of just plays it up to him and they called him for a handball when it was very clearly like off the shoulder, but not in an intentional way. And like DK like pinned his guy, had a really nice control, went off the shoulder, spun him and like should have been, I don't know, in on goal, like the camera angle. Right. But he was at least going to be like one on one with a El Salvadorian defender. And they got bailed out so hard with, <laughs> with the call of a handball. And I was yeah. like, they don't know what to do with a guy at that size. I think he acquitted himself nicely, even though. Uh, Pepe had a beautiful finish and came in and made immediate impact. Two goals in the other game, um, but yeah, no. I overall, I think uh, pretty pretty happy with that with that performance from the team. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I think also, I, I thought DK played a pretty good game as well. Like, I didn't think he was the problem. He wasn't the reason we hadn't scored to that point. He held no. up play well and stuff. And Pepe comes on and gets the goal. Pepe had a hell of a camp, so he's obviously going to get most of the flowers for the nine talk in this. But uh, DK didn't have a bad showing by any means, I think, at all. But uh, no. kind of speaking of nine talk here, I think we have a yes, sir. nine to maybe talk about that wasn't in this camp. Well, not on the he's roster at least, but he he's was in he, America. I think he was around. <laughs> um, Florian Balligan, my friend. Balligan. Yes, this sir. Is, this has been something that US MNT Twitter has speculated on, over. wished for for a long time. Myself sleuthing. Included. The internet sleuthing on this is really impressive. Every Great time job, he scores guys. in League <laughs> One this year, you know, all the replies are bald eagles and uh-huh. American flags and baseball hot dogs, apple pie, all that stuff. And he was in Orlando, my friend. He wasn't at this camp. I mean, he wasn't on the camp roster, right? Like he wasn't cap tied or right. anything. So it's, there's nothing for sure here, but certainly was in the U.S. Uh, you'd have to imagine if he was that close in Orlando that he was at least – having conversations with some people from U.S. soccer. And this is this is starting to feel like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, that this might actually happen. He also turned down, um, he pulled out of the under-21s camp. He didn't get called up to England's main squad. They tried to give him an under-21 call-up, and he pulled out with a yeah. injury, but not really that injured. As you could see, he was bombing around Florida just fine for the most part, it seemed yeah. like, at the Orlando Magic game and such. But mm-hmm. 
Sure yeah, feels like I forgot. We, we I really, forgot he was on really like the Jersey it. tour. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, man? Uh, you, you think we're going to be able to get this over the line? Like, how do you how do you feel about it? I'm 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 excited for it, man. I I think uh, I think it's easy to kind of look at like because he's he's an Arsenal player, right? He's on loan at uh, Ren, and it's easy to be like, okay, they got Gabriel Jesus, right? They got Eddie Nketiah, and if he's like a half step below both of those guys or close to Nketiah, we got a really good player. But the fact that he's the second top scorer in the French League behind a dude named uh, it's Mbop. He's Mbop? Mbappe? I'm not quite sure how to say it. Mbappe? Agape. Yeah. Killian Mbappe. Killian Agape. Like the tequila? Yeah. Uh, yeah, defending him would make me want to drink for for sure. It's agave, <laughs> um, but no, he uh, he you know he's second in goals in that whole league, and we've joked about the French league before, but like it's still an impressive place to like to go and and do it right to be doing it at the highest level is impressive there, and I'd love a situation where we're worried about like oh who are we gonna start here, Pepe or Balogun? Like I'm I'm salivating over this. I'm very excited. And to your point, right, like th- this takes nothing away from Kylian Mbappe. I'm on record saying I think he's the best player in the world right now, but he's second goals. <laughs> Alert the presses. <laughs> he's second goals to this guy. And like Mbappe, as crazy as he is, he's being fed by guys like Messi and Neymar a lot of the time for these uh, being set up for the goals, right? So. Uh, he doesn't have quite that luxury at Ren, so it's it's really impressive what he's been able to yeah, do. That's a great um, point. Yep, we're we're on totally on board with trying to get him in here. And look, I've kind of also stayed in the past, like when it wasn't so sure, and it was like we'd really all like this a few months ago. Like this would be great if it happened, but let's not just turn our heads completely to that. Let's focus on like a guy like Ricardo Pepe, right? Who yep. Got left out of the World Cup roster. He had like a really promising start with the team and went through that really bad year when he went to Augsburg. And he started he started to find his form at Groningen and stuff. And he had a great camp. He had a really great camp. And I was just I was very adamant on let's not just put Pepe to bed because he's had a bad year, right? He's like 19, 20 years old at the time. Absolutely. He's just getting to Europe, adjusting. Like Augsburg wasn't the greatest situation, it seemed like. And he's found his confidence kind of again. So if you can get Pepe firing like he was in this camp, right, and you can get him playing well, and you can add Balogun in there too, like I would love to have the exact opposite of what we've had for the last several years of like who's going to play number nine for us because we don't have a guy that can really do it. I'd love right. for it to be who's going to play number nine for us because we've got we two guys option. or three guys maybe even if yep. Sargent can get back kind of to that level again or, right. or even DK. DK. Like do we just need a monster DK, right. to go up again? Like, I would love to have options. Options sound fantastic. We haven't had options for the last few not, years. Not I would just, love to have the problem. You're, you're not excited about any more default Giassi Zardes? That, that <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not upset at the day of like, I guess Giassi, he knows the system. <laughs> but you're, you're ready to play. Are you ready to maybe have guys up there who are more better at soccer than just knowing the system? Thank you for your service, Giassi. But uh, I, yeah, I would, Actually, I, shout out to Giassi. He... Sorry you were so disappointing, man. It's not your fault. It was nothing against him. 
He had some moments, like right, some yeah. okay moments and stuff. But yeah, always like played, always played hard. Like I don't have any issue with him. I I think he always played hard. I think that's a great way to put it, right? I think he always gave it his all out there. I never, he's never one of those guys where you watched him play and I was like, he's being lazy. He's not trying. He always tried his best, right? But his talent was just what his talent was. Yeah. Well, it's like, guess what? You're a career MLS striker. And that's a really good thing in the general scheme of soccer, especially in America. Mm -hmm. However, with this group, we have eyes to more, Right. We have elite international players playing on some of the biggest teams in the world. The Colum- the guy who got 14 goals for Columbus crew last year is something we should be putting in the rear view here. Um, but do you want to get to kind of with this talk here? I, we could even start up top if you want, but a little bit of like start, sit, cut here with the, I'm looking at the, I got the El Salvador roster and lineup pulled up here. If we want to kind of use that as our basis of uh of operations here yeah andrew like uh, yeah what we were thinking kind of exactly what you said doing a little like look forward to 2026 right like put our put our you know time machines let's jump in our time machines kind of go forward to 2026 and look at this roster because i think this was a very interesting camp roster kind of a mix of 18 guys that were there at the world cup and then some guys who weren't there who were either up and coming or bad form like Pepe, we kind of said before uh, leading up to the world cup this year. So I kind of, it's hard, right? This is why we have to get in the time machine because we don't know who the manager will be. We don't know who he likes or anything, but (laughs) let's try to look at some of these guys and see if we think they will be, you know, starting potentially at the world cup or maybe like squad players when we get there in 2026, or if we think they're not going to be part of the roster at all. So, uh, yeah, I got to pull and, it up uh, too. Uh, okay. One, one more okay. thing just before we get into the players is I think it's important to remember that like this is the last time we'll see our A team until the summer, right? In the next window, I believe, where we play Mexico isn't a real window. They're not expecting European players back for that, at least from the reports that I've seen. So like we talk about this being a non-MLS pretty much like group, right? For the most part here. Don't the opposite will probably be happening the one we play Mexico here in what a month and a half, two months mm-hmm. um, in April, whatever that is. So excited for that game, but just like when we see the Mexico lineup and the roster, remember that we don't have all of our guys. And that's a right. nice thing uh, just to, just to remember, just as we kind of transition with what we think of this group, because there's going to be a lot of chances to be, uh, be had at that next group. But where do you want to start, bud? So, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's do it like rapid fire, and then we can unpack it here yep. at the end. I'll, I'll just I'll say the guy's name, and me and you can both say start, sit, cut, and at okay. the end we can kind of go through. We'll go through everybody that featured in this El Salvador game, and we'll kind of go by position, un- kind of talk about it position wise. We'll do. Sure. Okay, yeah. No, I'll, go ahead. I'll run. I get, I'll, I get what you're I'll start from up top. Yeah, we'll go. Got it. Daryl DK. All right, I I'm going to I'm going to call him up. I'm going to put him on the bench. I think they call, how many strikers did they call up? Two, right? I for the World I, Cup here. We had two at the last one, but I tend to no. We had three. I tend to have, think yeah, of. Ha- I tend three. to want like. I tend to want three. I would right. like three. Can I think of it too. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put him on the bench. 
I'm going to call him up and sit him down. So I will sit Daryl DK. I think this is very tough, right? A lot of it depends on the Balogun thing, like if that happens. But I think I'm prepared to agree with you and say, sit, be a squad player, because he offers something that nobody else does at that nine position, kind of. He's a monster. And I love that he's just like shooting everything first touch at Bristol. Like, just makes (laughs) me so happy. Like, he just takes a touch, pounds the ball in. I love it, man. All right, let's go Ricardo Pepe. I, I don't know how you can not say start him right now. I mean, that, that I would go start just to in the in the eyes of brevity here. With what we know right now, I'm with you. Start. I think start. he starts Guys up hot. top. Stay hot, Ricardo. Finish I out think, this year strong, buddy. I think so long as he keeps playing, keeps ascending like he has been of late, I think he's the top dog in the house right now. Like we said, the Balogun thing is where the wrinkle might come in. He he literally came in and scored on one touch and a one, no win. Right. (laughs) What we want, what more we want from the guy, uh, except for to be better friends with Greg, I guess, but may not matter. Who knows? Let's move out wide. I think we can both say this pretty easily. Christian Pulisic starting still, right? Starting. Okay. This one's a little more interesting. Alejandro Zendejas, which I mean, Okay, so he was kind of the, he started both games, right, in this camp. He starts over Brendan Aronson, right? Uh, did he start the... He, I Aronson think he started. started the Granada game. Aronson started, but he scored twice, once or twice in Dejas. Um, he scored a goal. I think he might have had an assist. Also. It was a nice little shot. I think it was with, yeah, he put it in the corner. Um, I didn't love him in this game. I'm going to cut him. Ooh. At the moment, just just in the, I think with the attacking with the attacking talent, it's like Zendejas. It's like all right, I don't know if you are at the same level as everyone else. And this is obviously if we're thinking about for a full everybody healthy, best case scenario kind of thing here. But go ahead. I'm going to. I'm going to say sit. Okay. I think he makes the bench. Um, Claudio, Claudio, wow, Giovanni Reyna, Giovanni Reyna, uh, start him. Um, I think the I I don't mean to say start him as a question mark. Start him. It this is like one of these like you have to remember he looks like he's not playing hard, basically all the time. (laughs) His body language is bad, along with everything else. But Spencer, are you going to sit down your own boy? After he gets his date, oh my goodness, I'm looking at his face right now, guys. Spencer, are you going to go against your boy, Giovanni Reno, who you've been calling for for months to play the literal position he played in both games? Absolutely not, Andrew. He's starting. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Had me worried for a second. I was going to have to come just have somebody do a wellness check to make sure you weren't. I think the discussion's more... Like if they keep him in the middle, I think he starts for sure. Like that might be the thing with Zendejas too. Is if they put him out wide, then it's Pulisic and Reina potentially. I think so. Yeah, and and that's, and that's I think he's getting I, one of those spots. And and that's kind of how I think of it too. Is like I cutting Zendejas is maybe just kind of a hot take, I guess, right? But when I think of like, all right, you have a striker, right? If we say we're gonna play the four three three, right, or even this four two three one. Would I rather see Aaronson or Zendejas? I'd rather see Aronson, 
right? Would I rather see Reyna or Zendejas? Would I rather see Pulisic or Zendejas? It's like, I don't know, man. I don't love it. Well, let's move it right there then. Brandon Aronson, what are you doing with him? I, in my head, it's a 4-3-3, right? Until we actually have a manager that gives us another formation, I'm going to default to Greg's 4-3-3. I'm going to sit him, I think. I think in my head it's Pepe, Pulisic, and Reyna with kind of some freedom from the midfield, which we'll get to here in a little bit, um, to play in our best formation. But um, love Aronson. Nothing against him, just I can't fit him into my team right now. I think this is one of the toughest ones, but I mm-hmm. think that I, I'm going to settle on sit. I'm going to I'm going to sheepishly say sit along with you, I think, because – well, I, think if- there, I think there's an avenue for him to start by 2026, right? If his offensive game comes Absolutely. a little along a little more uh, and depending on the formation, but I'm going to say sit. I think he's on the squad. Uh, I, I think I, I don't not, not I don't think there's no way he's not on the squad, right? That's crazy talk because it's so far in the future here. My thing is if you it depends like the Reina Aronston start sit, I think is so much closer than people think it is. And it's going to be based on who they bring in as a manager, right? If they bring in somebody like Greg or Greg, I guess, who is going to want to play a more like ball control, move it from side to side type of thing, I think Rain is your guy. If you bring in somebody like Marcelo Bielsa, um, you're going to want that pressing energy. And I don't know that Gio's really got that, but I do know who does have it and can still provide in the attack. So, um, I agree. Sit Aronson for now, but it's closer. I think it's closer than people think. All right, let's move into the midfield then. Uh, Eunice Musa, start? Cut. No, start. My guy, I love him. You know me. I'm a big Eunice Musa fan. Um, I need him to get out of Valencia, though. <laughs> Someone, please. <laughs> Come get our boy. Weston McKinney. Start, man. I, I've said it before. I When he shows up and he thinks he's the best player on the field, that's when the U.S. is dangerous. Start. Got to start him. This is a so, shape thing. I don't want to hear it. This is a shape unanswerable question. I don't Andrew, the problem is, right, that if I want to get other people into the midfield. Look, okay, so when we look at MMA, they were so good, right? When you look at the people coming up, though, best, like. Best thing about the whole team. If you want, but okay, yes, I agree. But if you want, if uh, this so much depends on the formation too, right? Like I'm saying, so this is hard, but I, my time machine, I've gotten in it. And if we're going to get like a Reina into the midfield and keep two wingers out wide, somebody's got to come out. And I'm going to say Weston McKinney is on the bench for this team as a very Please. important sub. No, sir. There will be no Weston McKinney slander on the podcast. I'd it's like not Weston McKinney back. slander. I, I love him too. I can't play. I can't doesn't make your 11 here's what I'm thinking yeah, okay. lay out this plan hold on I know we're going piece by piece lay out this plan because I feel like I'm immediately going to be angry unless I hear okay that. well let's go with a guy that wasn't, <laughs> let, let me ask you then about a guy that wasn't in the camp Tyler Adams yeah. is he still Start. starting for this team he's still starting yeah. for me too we'll do, yeah we'll do the revolutionary thing of have maybe three guys in the midfield I, mean, I agree but if yep. my three guys are going to be Musa, Adams, and Arena then is a more attacking option if they play something more like a 4-2-3-1 that's two, like they That's did. two midfielders and Giovanni Reina. <laughs> Giovanni Reina is not a midfielder. He has never played in the midfield. No one's ever put him there, right? Giovanni a 10's a midfielder. 
Uh, sure. But like he's a winger. Is Kevin De Bruyne right? a midfielder? Yeah, he plays midfield, man. I've seen him be defensive. Giovanni Reina is only defensive when his dad's a lunatic, and then he has to put out a statement. It's the only time Giovanni Reina's ever been defensive. He is defensive. Statement man. That's released on his notes app. The Reina family is very defensive. That they should be. <laughs> They're offensive. They're pissing everybody yeah, off. They're man. probably more offensive. <laughs> yeah, even in that scenario, they're more offensive. Um, but okay, what if you have this as a four-two-three-one? I can't argue with taking Adams out. I think in three years, especially Musa could be. I think really Musa could good. Be insane. So I see. I see what you're saying. I think we're. I think you are undervaluing McKenney's um, aerial prowess. Right. If you think about it, all things equal, put a ball in the box on a big corner piece. Who's coming up with a header for the Americans? I agree, but we suck West at set McKinney. pieces anyway, so we might as well just completely suck at set pieces. Well, Giovanni Reina sure ain't helping us. You guys loafing <laughs> around. Guy guy runs like Jorginho in a sprint sometimes, man. I love Giovanni Reina. I need him to I need him to have a little bit of urgency. And the fact that Aronson is the guy behind him who is all urgency shows more that like Reina needs to hustle a little bit or look like he's hustling. It's kind of my point, I guess, is that well I, I like the MMA midfield a lot. I think it works very, very good for a four three three. Yeah. If you want to change the shape a bit, right, and keep two guys out wide, but have a more attacking option in the middle in the midfield, while a McKinney's McKinney, done that job, he can do it. I think that Rain is a lot more of an offensive like maestro than McKinney is. I think McKinney's better when he's a little deeper, when he's like that true like kind of more center mid like not a real cam role like more of the actual yeah more like an eight right a true eight up and down the field like drag him off the pitch of exhaustion right i think that's where he really excels and i think that basically you're looking for two guys that can lay a little deeper and i think moose if i'm picking between moose and mckinney in three years time i i would go with musa and i think tyler adams in there is just like the angolo conte destroyer role basically here's here, okay, I, I didn't. I'm glad we're talking through this because it shows how insane you are, I guess. Um, <laughs> but like, here's my thing are we sure that the battle here for that? If okay, let's say you want to do that 10 roll, right? You want to have a real mm-hmm. 10 on the field, right? Are we sure that dude's name isn't Eunice Musa? Who's slicker on the ball than Eunice Musa? Who grew up as a winger and has been kind of converted to midfield and doing really well there, right? Who's faster? Who can move? Like, like I have not seen in a USMNT uniform, Reyna play better passes than Musa. Musa has played better passes and played people in. Like, just, just, I'm not saying it's there. Uh, I want, I, I got my guys in a 4-3-3 and I've got a spot for everybody. You're the one causing problems and kicking Weston McKinney out of the midfield. But are we sure that's not the best place for Eunice Musa? Are we sure? Maybe, but I, I, we know? I, I, I think Moose is really good in that like eight like role, like McKinney is also. I think McKinney and Moose are very similar ah, so players. A four, in my three, opinion. three. I love it. it that, that's what I mean. And a four <laughs> three three that midfield. I said that. I said I think that midfield works I fantastic know. in a four three three. I think that if you want to get somebody in more of a ten, Moose can play a very nice pass. Moose is good on the ball. He's slick. I totally agree with those things. But he can also track back, kind of play that box to box type of midfield. And I think Rain is the more I, I think Reina is the better playmaker. I would disagree with you on that, that I think Reina can play a better pass. In, in a, no, in a USMNT jersey. 
is where I need to see it from Reyna. Because right, like, but a lot I, of that comes I down to availability, I think, with Reyna. Yeah, but it's not like he's starting every game for Dortmund, right? right. He comes in with Dortmund, and he plays a nice pass. He goes past somebody, whatever, right? I, I completely agree. Dude's talent is off the charts. I don't see that with the USMNT. Maybe a new coach comes in, and all of a sudden we see it, right? He's had problems with Greg, It clearly, right? This whole thing isn't working out. He's feeling, They bring in some new coach. Tells Gio's the tells Gio he's the most important player in the world, and he starts playing like it. But in a USMNT jersey, I don't think you can argue Musa's like between Musa and Reyna, who's been more impressive, just with what they've done in the jersey. Oh, Musa's been the more impressive player. I I would totally yeah. back that. Like that's not the argument. I think I think it's just on the ball. Like Reyna, I, I think he's shown me enough between Dortmund and in spurts with the U S to where I think he's one of our best on the ball players. We have maybe behind like a Christian yeah. Pulisic, honestly. Um, like the run of dreams. We talk about it. The Azteca last year and qualifying like that was amazing. He's had like little moments with the U S right. I agree. He needs to put it together more consistently, but this is looking three years into the future. So I'm kind of foreseeing True. That it'd be a great problem to have, start to right? click there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I that think the midfield that's true. in in three years, especially with me and you watching as much soccer as we do, we will have the answers to these questions, right? right. Musa will move. Reyna will either get promoted right to the first team starter, or he'll move, and we'll kind of have our answer to be like, okay, at the top level, who are these guys, right? Right. But we also might and, and, be like three years into an awesome partnership of Adams and McKinney, <laughs> and yeah. that could just be like the fulcrum of the team. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's so hard to kind of see. Cause like, look, let's, let's move on. Cause we've gotten really stuck in on this one, but like there's other well, guys pushing the same thing, but yeah, let's move. Uh, on. <laughs> there's, well, there's, I know the midfield was so good in like at the last world cup, it was our best thing about our team, certainly. But yep. when you look at where a lot of our talents coming from, it's in the midfield. Right. So if you want any of those guys to get into the team, Brain is like, not a midfielder. He's just not right. Now. I, I he's a winger and maybe a 10. I, he's I a winger and maybe a 10. I think he's a 10. I'm, I've, I've, I've already died on I this hill of thinking he's sure. a 10. And I push a 10 into the attack. Like you say, KDB, he's a 10. Those two dudes are not the same. And KDB plays midfield and then goes forward. Right? Like I think he does. If Reina, KDB if Reina, like stuff when, sometimes. A, in, on FIFA? In, in a <laughs> Dortmund shirt, he's had fantastic moments where he does things on the ball sure, that you man. don't see normal players do. I know you love Giovanni Reyna more than a lot of things. I love him as well. Comparing those two dudes as a city fan. I, oh, you I have not say he's Kevin been, De Bruyne. I said he does Kevin De Bruyne like things. things. So did Mesut Ozil. Yeah. <laughs> Shout I, out Mesut Ozil. Congrats on the retirement. Yeah, good job, bud. Um, this is an insane hill. I also just think of 10 as part of the attack. I don't think I know tens like come back and join the midfield, whatever, right? But like you're an attacker, right? KDB gives you more defensive effort than Rain has ever seen. Um, but yeah, he's got to round out his game. He's got to round out his game. Absolutely. I, I would love to have this problem in three years. So, like I was just setting up though, like the midfield, we have a lot of good young players coming through, Raina being one of them. Here's another one Taylor Booth. What do you do with that? And, Taylor so Taylor Booth is making when I cut Zendejas that's where my eyes were Mm. they were on Taylor Booth I I liked not that Zendejas I don't know who's the better player but Zendejas is already I think 25 um Taylor or like 25 or something like that um Taylor Booth is 
is a child. Um, and I think he's shown himself very well. You've taught you, you've been on the Taylor Booth, uh, trail for a while here. Right. Um, yeah, he's, yeah. But, uh, I think he is, yeah, Zendejas is 25. Sorry. That's what I was looking up and getting distracted by. Um, before I just say something crazy about how old this guy is, because Zendejas being 25 is like, okay, you're 28. You're not part of the young winger crew anymore. Right. You have to be one of the best players on the team if you're 28. Sorry, we're not. I, I'm trying to not do the Paul Areola thing. So as cute as it is, I need you to be a little bit better than they has. Um, but no, I think in three years, Taylor Booth might even just be like a guy we count on and could be playing regularly. I'm going to put him on the bench for this, but I love what Taylor Booth was doing. I, I, I like him getting into this team. Yeah, I think I'm going to sit him for now, but this is uh, the next year is going to tell us a lot, I think, because if he leaves Utrecht, goes to a bigger club and he has success there, then I mean, we might be having the comp like, like OK, I, I know that this is super speculative and stuff, but he's been linked to clubs like Manchester United and stuff, at least in some sense. Right. Like if he goes somewhere like there and he starts for them or he's at least seeing a lot of playtime, like who knows what happens, but then we're having a conversation of like, okay, how do you not get this guy into your midfield? Right? Like it's a matter of, he's at Udrek right now, but he goes somewhere bigger than he's doing it on a big stage and he's still playing well. Like we're going to have to get him into the midfield too. The midfield's going to be so difficult. I'm going to put him on the bench for now, but let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like what he's, what he's been doing. Um, and I think he showed enough in this camp to continue to be called in somebody to keep an eye on. He's older than Reyna. I just I just looked it up because I was like, Taylor Booth, he's part of this young group, right? Zendejas is old. Taylor Booth's older than Gio Reyna. Yeah. That's still insane. only tw- 21, I believe, but uh, <laughs> oh, Gio no, was... Still, but yeah, Gio, but like... Gio, it's, it's it just goes to show how young Gio is. Right. Gio was like... A forward and winger and attacker he is. Taylor Booth kind of like snuck up on us as being like, Oh, you're really good, huh? Like you went to Europe quietly and now you're just doing it over there. Like Gio Reyna yeah. was like a star child from like 15. That was, well, I mean, and also being Claudio's son is going to put a magnifying glass on you as well. But being <laughs> think about how he good he'd too. be if his, think about how good he, would you trade the absolute pedigree for the absolute insanity of, the, of that family? <laughs> like what's the trade off there? Uh, a discussion <laughs> for another time. Um, but uh, um, any more midfielders from this one? Otherwise, I've got a couple I'd like to, uh, or at least one I'd like to throw at you who is not on the roster here. Uh, I have Tillman. one more. Malik Tillman? Oh, yeah, that's one Malik that's a good Tillman. one, too. I, and that, he goes that's into that. I think it? he's. I uh, think he falls into that 10 category, too, of, like, I think Reyna, Booth, or, like, Malik Tillman, if they – like who? It, it, that's that's. I, I need someone to go get Malik Tillman out of Rangers. I know he's doing very well there. I need to see him in a context that I can understand, other than like weird in the box chaos that he's causing. Right. All all the highlights of him are just like he's in the box. He's making plays. Why is he the furthest person forward? What's going on in this Rangers game? Like, you know, like him and CCV. I love it. It's holding down Scotland, the premiership for us, but. Uh, Someone, someone come get Malik so I can see what he actually does on a week-to-week basis. I'm going to put Malik. Make a camp, bud. Make a camp. That's actually what I want. Come play with us this summer, right? Come come yeah. do something so I can have some context for you. I'm going to put Malik on the bench. I think that he continues doing well enough. I think he's going to be on the bench. I think it's weird he's not on the bench now. 
right? I, I don't know what the actual extent of this was, right? It might just be like a he's a very important player to them. Why call him in, right? Um, CCV also not called into this camp, right? Um, so maybe it just could be that Scotland was playing closely to it or whatever, right? Um, so yeah, without looking it up, I'm absolutely going to sit him as well. I think his physical presence, right? I think of him more as an eight, probably more attacking, but just like he's a big dude, man. He's a big mm-hmm. physical dude. If he can kind of do that McKenny job, right? Maybe that's who's looking at that more physical spot in the midfield. So I have one more guy from the camp that was in the midfield I wanted to bring up because he had a very sure. good camp. We mentioned it a minute ago. Yes, you sir. Think there's, is there still a spot for Luca De La Torre? Yeah, um, I think I think so. I think he gives us a different dimension than we have, right, with a lot of our midfielders. I think he plays a good ball in. I think he takes a lot of set pieces, right? Um, things that I like from midfielders, like how can we keep Kellen Acosta off the roster? Luca De Rotore, I think, helps out with that. Um, I, I'm going to sit him, I think. I think he's got just as good a shot as any of these guys as really sitting as more of a holding midfielder option, especially like he might be our second best defensive mid behind Tyler Adams mm-hmm. or especially maybe more of a deep lying playmaker, but you know, I think he's something different. He's a guy that like, it confuses me. Right. Because when I watch him play, I think he's playing so good and he's just, <laughs> for some reason it's not, it usually doesn't translate, right? He had a couple assists in that game, so that was great. But I don't know. Maybe there's just something I'm missing on TV from not seeing it in person. Maybe he's not tracking mm-hmm. back or something. But, yeah, I'm going to put him on the bench. I think there's still a spot for him. I think he brings something a little different, kind of like you said. So um, I think he's still in there. Uh, let's move to the back line. Let's rifle him off because we've gotten stuck in the minutiae yeah, of the yeah. midfield for really bad. I can't uh, believe we're running a little long. Insane. <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> uh Let's go to the wingbacks real quick. Jedi Robinson, you think he's still starting? I do, man. I think Jedi is the kind of solid we like need in this back line. I think I think I agree with you. I think he's still holding that down three years from now. I think the more interesting discussions on the right side. Right? I, like do Sergino too. I do too. Um, Serginho Dest. Um, I think I'm going to kind of think of him the same way. I talked about a couple of the other guys earlier. It really matters who they hire for Sergio Dest. Um, Cause like, if you have a guy who like, I don't know that there's anybody better in like tight spaces with the ball than Sergio Dest, right? He has the ball on the string and move and everything else there. Um, but if like, you're talking about just defensive acumen and like his kind of like, if you talk about like his career arrow, it's kind of pointing down a little bit right now. And I hate to say, right. He gets this move to Barcelona. Then that wasn't going well, but he gets loaned to AC Milan. They've already said, we're not bringing him in. Right. Like what's the next step for him? I'm going to start him, but it's a real tentative start. I, I, I think uh, that one might be right for the pick in there. I just, I just don't know who to put in ahead of him. I need to, I would have liked to see a little more from a couple people in this camp to take that, to take his spot more than have him not earn it. You're riding pine, Serginho. You're on the squad, but you're riding pine because the next one up is Joey Scales. And Joey Scales, he played on the left, but he plays on the right normally for Mooch and Gladblack. They played him kind of on his offside. I think Joey Scales takes his job. I'm starting Joey Scales in three years. He's been so good for Mooch and Gladback in the German Mm -hmm. league this year. Another guy getting talked about with moves. 
Yep. I think Joey Scales has stolen desk job by the time we are lining up in 2026, Andrew. How about you? I guess you said you guys still got Serginio in there. So yeah, talk, to go to go right to Joey it. Scales, I'm sitting him, right? But he's I, I as I said with Des, like in my head, it's like I needed to see a little bit more from Joey in this game, right? Um, he played out on the left, and I just think of the left as so much like Robinson flying up, combining with Pulisic, right? Joey's a different player. He is. Um, and it's offside, to be fair. What? It's his offside. He's normally playing on the oh, right. No, so like... Exactly, right? And I, But, like, that's where I've seen him play for the U.S., right. so that is, you know, I think the fair comparison to make. Um, but all you would have to do is, like, hey, we hired a manager who wants to get, like, because I think the best individual thing we have from any wing back right now, right, either side, is Robinson using his speed and getting forward, mm-hmm. right? I think the second best individual thing we have from any of our right and left wing backs is Dest like creatively. Yeah. Right. Guy plays a ball, incredible dribble moves, right? But he kind of leaves that back line out on an island a little bit, right? If you were like, hey, we play Joey Scales because he doesn't, you know, he can kind of join in that midfield more and be part of the defense. And then you're almost more at a back three, and then we can shape, you know, the offensive attack however we want to with Robinson flying up the left-hand side, I'd be like, okay, that makes perfect sense to me instead of sending them both so far forward, um, which is what Greg always did. Right. So really depends on the manager to me, but I think Joey Scales is is kind of the next guy up right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's run through center backs really quick. I, I guess Tim Ream, the question with Tim Ream is, is he not retired by 2026? Yeah. I, I think he's going to be. Should we I, just hire Tim Ream as the coach? <laughs> maybe. You can maybe keep that's playing at Fulham. Won't do anything to you, bud. But, you know, we need somebody to yell at Walker Zimmerman every once in a while. So, God love him. We are a Tim Ream podcast, but I this guess by default, we are, podcast. We, we, yeah, I guess by default, we are cutting him because we just think he's going to be aged out by that point. So, are, I, are you in agreement on that? I mean, the problem is. To start as what? He'd be like a 41-year-old, right? He's 38 now. 30, I think he's 36 now. 36 now. So he, so he's almost going to be 40, right, depending yeah. on birthday. Um, the problem is if you're starting a 40-year-old center back, it's got to be like like Pepe for Portugal or like you have to be some sort of wizard. And I love Tim Ream. I don't know that he's a wizard. I think he can make the bench, though. I think this young group's got to really show more to get him out of there because I think what Tim Ream is going to do is keep playing well for Fulham, right? I don't think he's going to play more than like this year he's Mr. Ridiculous, like all but he's played every minute but like two or something, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Pep Guardiola loves him, right? Like go off, Tim Ream. We love you. Um, you know, but I, I need to see more from the guys below him to really take his spot. So I, I'm going to – I'd love to cut him and say that this defense has evolved so much and we have all these guys back there, but right now I need somebody to show me. And Tim Reed has done more than show me. Sure. We know he's from Missouri because that's the show me state. So we got it. I'm going to sit him. I'm going to sit him. Might be the last guy to make the roster, a little sentimental pick. But all right. veteran leadership, so, man bun. Hard what about uh, his partner in this El Salvador game, Miles Robinson? Miles Robinson, that right center back job is yours for the taking, man. Um, he actually he played on the left side too there kind of before his injury, right? He got hurt last year and it kind of derailed him. But 
like less was it last summer he was the best center back we had and he's great in the air which i think just matters to me a little bit right if you can go up and get a late goal right that's a thing you need sometimes right he had that big goal was it mexico did he score against mexico or am i making that up in my head he had a big goal he had a big goal in that run maybe it wasn't against Mexico. i think it's just mckinney yeah i think i'm thinking of mckinney for that goal but robinson had some big goals there I, I'm going to start him, I think. I think I'm going to start Miles Robinson, man, especially in three years. He's he's shown himself really well. Look, this is the toughest position on the team. I think I think it's overtaken nine just because in three years' time, like we don't know what we have with Tim Ream or anything, right? He's, he's cemented himself as that left-sided center back for now, but where are we in three years? I, I'm going to say Miles Robinson for now. I'm going to say he's on the bench for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that there's a real argument for but, me. But yeah. if you if you ask me, every center back we had, I might just say like, <laughs> sure cut. I don't know if I'd start any of them. <laughs> you're, you're, you're starting. You're just going to do a back three of uh, Jedi Tim Ream and uh, Joe Sk- Joey Skin. Yeah, just figure it out. Uh, one more center back I want to ask about that did play in this camp is mm-hmm. Austin Trusty. What do you think about him? He's is he trusty enough he, for you? He's he's funny to me because it's like. I feel like everything you see about him, right, is always like USMNT only or somebody like that posting what a great player trust he's been in the championship for what is he Birmingham? He's at. Yes. Um, Birmingham city, Birmingham city. And I would love to believe that he's just kind of like the next Tim Ream, right? Molded in the center, molded in the championship, right? Going to play for this team for a while. Um, I think that's a really good recipe for having center back depth, right? I'm going to sit him because he's also still really young. I think he played at Philadelphia Union from the time he was like a baby. Um, But uh, I'm going to kind of tentatively put him on the bench and I'd I'd like to see more from him. Like really, I'd I'd like to see more from Tim or from uh, Austin. He's 24 already. So, Um, but yeah, I I think, uh, I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm going to put him on the bench as well. I, I think that, look, for center backs, my experience at least as a fan of a club that's bought a lot of like teenage and 20-year-old center backs and seeing them flame out most of the time. Like center backs, one of those positions where it seems like guys need a little more time to develop. Mm-hmm. So 24 to me is still quite young for a center back. And you see a lot of them age, like a Tim Ream or like a Pepe or something like you said, like they're like even a Sergio Ramos or something now, like uh, Tiago Silva. Like there's a lot of center backs that play well into their like thirties, their mid to late thirties, because I just think at, it's at a position, the highest level. Yeah. Right. I think it's a position where the physical ability isn't quite as important. It's more know-how and reading the game. Um, so Trusty's still quite young to me. I think he's going to continue to develop. He's at Birmingham City, like you said. He's on loan from Arsenal, so I, like I don't see him breaking into that uh, defensive line anytime soon. But who knows? But um, I think that three years from now, I think he he has he's very much got potential. I think to be a starter for this team. But for now, I'm gonna have to say bench. I think, and um, I think we like I said, I, I we could go through every center back i might just say bench for all of them or cut i don't know who i'm starting at this point so let's uh really quick just before we move on from the u.s i do want to ask you about goalkeeper right oh i want to ask real quick about ccv just while we're talking about it because i think that might be the other one i'm wanting to start 
just with thinking about it. He was not called into this camp, but mm-hmm. when you talk about like the heir apparent to the um, Tim Ream of like, okay, he's not the tallest, he's not the fastest, but like he might just be the best, right? Center back option. CCV, he's killing it, man. Like they love him at Celtic. He might just play there forever. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think I would at a very high level. He might be the exception of he's the guy I would say right now. If I was p- picking, I'd, I'd say he's starting in 2026. The way he's been going the last year and a half or so. Yeah, I, and I like the idea of him and Robinson because Robinson's just kind of this freak athlete. CCV is more the stay back, read, make the pass. You know, I, I think you kind of want that yin and yang sometimes. So. Yeah, sorry to cut you off on the goalie thing, but I no, you're wanted good. to make sure we brought him up. So goalkeeper, I, I just want to ask, are, are you, I, I think we're all on board, like obviously with Matt Turner being the guy right now. Yep. I I tend to believe he's still going to be the guy in 2026. So I'm going to say start now, but I do just want to like bring up, I, I think the question is, it's not a Stefan or a Horvath at this point, but it's Gaga Slanina. Like, it's Gaga, do we, baby. Do we think he's there in three years? Is he pushing for this job would, actually in three years? He fantastic. If in two and a half years we were debating whether like the hot young either starting for Chelsea or like loan to you know a premier sh- a premier team a Premier League team or like a high level championship team, you know Gaga Slanina really just putting in all the work or like old reliable wouldn't that be a fun like problem not problem to have goalies I guess the one position you just want settled flat right but um, I'm gonna sit him right now. With the reservation that, like, he's the only one, I think, with a real chance to upset Turner by the time that this rolls around. I'd I'd agree. Like, here's the thing, right? You're obviously a Chelsea supporter, so I think it's, like, interesting because if Mendy doesn't extend or if he's just completely fallen off a cliff, we decided, and we're done with him at Chelsea. And, like, a Kepa is playing well enough this year, but... (laughs) Playing well enough this year. Like I'm not I scored on by twice by Scott McTominay. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know. It's but, too many times to me. Like there's a, I, I think there's even potentially like it's crazy. That it is like he could get a start here in the next year or so. He could be playing yeah, he was regular minutes guy, at Chelsea. Right? Yeah. If he was the cup guy. And it's not a, it's not a Zach Steffen cup run. Cause he's still mm-hmm. 20, right? 18 next year. No, I'm saying like next year, right? Oh, yeah. his birthday. You know, if he's a 21-year-old keeper on the bench every weekend, on the bench every weekend and, uh, you know, doing well in cup games, like, I don't know, man. That's, that's, is that any different than, like, Matt Turner getting a run out at yeah. the same thing? Um, no. My advice to Matt Turner, don't take that move to, like, weird Middlesbrough that, um, don't take the Zach Steffen move. Just stay at Arsenal, man. Like, don't give us any reason to to, like, have you kind of mess this up. Uh, I, I could see the argument of like if he if somebody like an Ast- Aston Villa has Emmy Martinez, but like a club that size, right? Sure. A mid table team, I, and yes. they're like you're no, gonna no, play no. week in and week out. Play. There's a lot of value there, right? If he did that, like the Tim Howard route of like he went to Everton when they were finishing seventh every year. I think that's a really right. good level that, for him potentially. Well, but because I, think I don't the, know if he breaks Zach in over Stephen Ramsdale. Move. The Zach Stefan move is like you're going down to Middlesbrough, or you have to go play. Who do you play for in uh, Germany? Um, I think he is it Gorther Forth or something like that. Like, wasn't he playing minutes with like uh, um, <laughs> like Julian Green? 
I don't know, quite possibly. Like, but, asking- but he he got like don't take the weird loan, right? If Southampton like gets back up into the Premier League, not next year or whatever, right? And it's like, hey, we have $15 million. We would like Matt Turner. That's different, right? Make that move. Go be the number one there all day, right? Go do the Aaron Ramsdale move and then make the next move, right? Mm-hmm. To Arsenal or something like that. But don't take the weird loan, man. The weird loan is a trap. The weird loan is they already it's don't want you here. It is a trap. Um, so that's my advice to Matt Turner. But um, yeah, man, really happy with... Uh, it's just such a fun thing to do, man. Just talk about like the future of the USMNT and like have all these options and get into like arguments about who's going to be what in three years and stuff like that. Like I'm excited for the dudes we don't even know about yet. Right. Yeah. There's guys that we're not even touching on that are probably 2026, three years away. Right. At what age do we start getting excited about these guys when they're like a 17 year old makes a move to Dortmund or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So right now there's a 14 year old, right. There's like a freshman in high school, maybe, who's in some U. Who's in some academy at Red Bull, you know, probably Philadelphia Union's academy. I feel like they just shit out people. Yeah, like Paxton Aronson, like another one to just think about. Like he's right. just out there. We don't know what it's gonna be, but like, is he gonna take? Like, I think him for like Zendejas' spot makes like might make sense in my brain, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I had him cut, but like you had him on the bench, so. Um, yeah, man. Uh, the thing I'm looking out for is I need that set piece taker. If you're going to tell me Taylor Booth is nasty with set pieces or somebody like that, I will start advocating for them to be in the line. Right? Somebody. That's where, that's where you start getting like, I don't know, maybe McKenzie does give way for, you know, some 17-year-old with a crazy, oh, what if he was left-footed? I'd lose my mind. We have no <laughs> good left-footers in the entire pool. Um, <laughs> anybody who's played with FIFA is like, ah, oh, who can take a free, who can take a free kick over there? Um, nobody. They're all right footed. But um, should we? Should we? Uh, speaking of left footed players having options, uh, should we get to some of the Euro talk with uh, noted left footed player Andy Robertson in Scotland's big win? Yeah. Uh... We can move on to that. Like, like I said, I don't think we have a ton on the European stuff, but yeah, we'll kind of swing through there. Yep. Yeah. Highlight a couple of them. That was a huge win for Scotland in that game, obviously for their chances to qualify for the tournament. That's the big dog in their group. It looked really good. They've looked pretty good of late. Like they Spain, man, tough Spain. They're starting, uh, Jossaloo. They started Jossaloo with the nine. Um, which is bad. Don't do that if you want to be a good <laughs> Um, You know, they're probably like, man, if only we had this Daryl DK dual citizenship, we'd be fine. Um, but yeah, man, the next, whoever wants to be the next great Spanish striker, that door is open, bud. It's the um, one thing that team's missing, dude. Like, they're so good in the midfield. It's like the, their curse, of Fer- it's like the curse of Fernando Torres. It's like, yeah. you, get, you get like three years of everybody thinking you're the best player, you know, the best attacker in the world. But then you're going to be cursed. You're like <laughs> Alvaro Morata, or <laughs> Alvaro Morata. No, like e- even all the guys who look the part are just like they just fall off for Spain. Right? It's crazy. They yeah. should have been playing Iago Aspas up there for like ten years, and they just didn't. They 
they, you feel like they like <laughs> one of their guys would be able to figure it out, but yeah, I don't know. They just they can't seem to figure that position out. I, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine yeah. to qualify for this tournament and stuff. I have no worries about them. It's more of a, I think Scotland story of like huge result for them. So well on Scotland. Um, anything else stand out to you? I know England went to Italy and won there. A little bit of redemption for bottling a final in Wembley a while back <laughs> against them. So well yeah, done. I'm, I'm- yeah, I'm sure they feel real good about it. Nobody's brought that up to him, probably. Um, <laughs> Harry Kane becomes the all-time English goal scorer. I believe it's in that game. It was in one of the two games, for sure. Yeah. Congrats, um, Harold. England won both. Won both. Um, Mount went home uh, from the camp with an injury, even though he said he wasn't injured with Chelsea and he could go to the camp, and then he left being injured, so... Moron, just nobody knows what's going on with Mason Mount. I know that's not actually English news, but that is what came to my mind when we thought about the English in this uh, in this thing here. But um, speaking of drama out of London, Spencer, what's Tottenham doing? As we as welcome back to the annual seg the uh, the every single week segment of what is going on with Spurs? Uh, Antonio Ooh. Conte. Finally, bullied, him, bullied himself out of being Spurs manager. Like I, that guy, I mean, he must have had like some nice, oh, like he must have had some nice release clause or something, right? Because he clearly didn't want to be the manager. It's just like, just quit, bro. But he probably got paid like five million dollars since he got, you know, fired basically instead. So, yep. congrats on him. I'm sure he's on a nice beach in Turin or so- Turin's not on the beach. That's no, I don't think it is, bud. That's definitely not on the beach. Absolutely not. <laughs> Somewhere in the south of Italy on a beach, uh, Sicily or something, potentially. Sure. I'm sure he's having a nice uh, a nice too. red wine and a nice plate of penne or something. But uh, good for him. I'm glad that he's, you know, happy and not the manager of Spurs. And yep. maybe he can find some sense of direction in life again. Seems like he wants to coach again in Serie A. So I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But yeah, Spurs. I think man. we all thought this was going to happen, right? Like this is this we, just we said all- this. This has all just become inevitable, right, over the last few weeks. We all thought this was going to happen, but I still don't understand why it's happening. They're in fourth. They're like, like we talk about every week, what is happening with them? They're objectively having a really pretty good season, right? I think it's easy to look at them and go like, okay, well, Liverpool has fallen off. Chelsea's fallen off. Like them getting up into fourth isn't doing much, right? They're just, you know, didn't fall off as much as those other two teams. But like, they're battling with Newcastle, right? They're still at the moment here holding off uh holding off Liverpool, right? Like to 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 fire the person who's got like man, these don't happen. Managerial changes don't happen when you're in fourth and you just got out of the Champions League. Right? It wasn't an early it was a bad exit because those games were horrible to watch, but it wasn't like an early exit, right? It wasn't like Spurs. How can you not go farther than this round of the Champions League? It's like, no, it's probably fine for you. Yeah, you should be. I, well, you should be better, but you're not. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's all confusion. They've had some really bad. Like they're a sneaky fourth, right? I think it just came down to Conte just didn't want to do the job anymore. I think he was just over it, and he was over the Spursy mm-hmm. being Spursy thing. So. Well, I don't know. That was it. Was a confusing. It, it was. I think they had to fire him the way he was acting. So absolutely. no, absolutely. I just it's it's an insane situation that they're in. Um, Follow up question. Well, there's an obvious number one coaching candidate out there right now, Thomas Tuchel. As of you know, last time we recorded, did Spurs hire him? 
did they bring in like a known proven winner who can turn this all around and kind of maybe somebody who's even like kind of taken over for Conte before? Did they do that? No, they did not, Andrew. They did not. They <laughs> they fumbled the bag they could have had. But uh, in a shock a move, in a shock move, Byron saw what they wanted, dumped their current girlfriend, and went after the girl of their dreams. Apparently, Nogglesman dumped <laughs> dumped out. their current girlfriend, possibly due to his current girlfriend. current girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was setting you up for, bud. Tin foil uh, hat. Tin foil hat. Um, not Julian Nogglesman out. Uh, he does right now go to the immediate top rankings of um, who's the best coach available. Hottest on the market. I think I think he goes right to number one. Um, Pochettino's still kind of out there as like a lingering two. But let's be honest, Pochettino not used to being at the top of anything. Um, so Nagelsmann goes right to number one for me in my who's available rankings. But Thomas Tuchel to Bayern Munich is a huge deal, man. Are you excited yeah. to play? Uh, who do you guys got in the Champions League? Yeah, Bayern Munich, great, just oh, in time. This guy in the Champions never had any League, issues Thomas with Tuchel, Tuchel before. never been a problem. Oh, yeah. yeah, even I can think of those. Fuck, um, dude. Do you know how fucking mad I was when I saw I, this? As one of your close personal friends, I do. Um, I do know exactly how mad you were. I received those text messages. But uh, it was hilarious. Um, I'm not excited for Thomas Tuchel to, like, show up and <laughs> maybe win the champions league again. That'll be too soon for sure. For me as a Chelsea fan. Um, but well, yeah, you man, know, like, it's, it's, it's objectively like we're getting, I'm getting bogged down in like the Chelsea part of it. It's a crazy move for Byron to make right now. Insane. I was shocked by it. Like it was, you saw rumblings. I think the day before that, it the day before it happened, cause this happened last week at this point, it's a bit dated. Yep. We haven't talked that, about it. That was but all I, over it. But he said something about like the board uh, discussing Nagelsmann's future. And I think that me, like most of the soccer world was like, what what are you talking about? This guy's a great young manager. It's close enough to the summer too, where you go like, all right, I get the Tuchel's out there, but you know. Right. And they just, they just had beaten PSG a few weeks prior and, and, and kept a clean sheet. Over two fixtures, over two fixtures, kept a clean sheet. Outside of 20 minutes where Mbappe was a maniac in the, yeah. in the first game, like was pretty comfortable. Right. And the so league I hasn't was, been kind to them this year, right? It's been an up and down year in the league. And, and they're still right there. And you've won, right. like I joked on our Twitter about like, They've won what ten straight leagues or something. Like being one point out it, with like ten games left is like a fucking crime for Nagelsmann. Like, what are we doing? Like, I I don't know. Tuchel's a very good manager, right? So I can't sit here and be super critical of it. But I just well, think he's, he's that- never come into a weird league situation and won the Champions League. Yeah, he's never. That's, oh wait, uh, shit. Not yeah, bad, dude. Yeah, I, I, you know, whatever. But um, you won the league like, for I, me. I know it's not fun for you. It's great. I, I'm, and I, I'm just so happy he didn't go to Tottenham that it is kind of a win for me. Even yeah, if like hurt. somehow you get through and I, or they get through and I get through and we get smashed by Tuchel, that's a nightmare. But right now, man, it's a win. Yeah, I, I think it's like I think they'll be fine with Tuchel. So it's not so much on Bayern. I think it's just more of a weird look of like. Look, they're Bayern Munich, right? So I think they're always going to draw in these big managers and they like they're just this vacuum of German talent that 
doesn't let it leave the country most of the time. So that goes for managers also. I'm sure the next hot German prospect of a manager that comes up, they'll probably suck him up from Moochen Gladbach or fucking Wolfsburg or wherever. Whoever like challenges yeah, them some, in the league some, at some point. Some hotshot manager at like Mainz is pissed right now. He's like, yeah. God bless it. It's supposed to be me. It's supposed <laughs> but, to be me. So like it's probably doesn't matter, but I just think if I'm I, I don't know. Say if I'm a American, like I am manager, not a manager, but an American, but say you're like an English manager or something and you're doing well. I mean, most of them don't only moving. You know what I'm saying though? Like I, I'd look at them and be like, okay, what's like, why would I go to Bayern if I think they're just going to gas me if I'm in second place, very much within striking distance. We're playing good football. We just beat one of the better teams in the world and you're going to fire me because <laughs> like and like I, I hinted at maybe there's ulterior motives of like there's been conspiracy theories floating around that Nagelsmann's girlfriend worked for a paper in Germany and maybe his tactics got leaked by his girlfriend. I don't know that I believe that, but maybe <laughs> who knows? But I don't know. Just a weird. I, I was just shocked to see him be fired. And yeah, you yeah. can play some with Tuchel. I think that's a. I, you're, you're not gonna hurt yourself, I don't think. But no, it just I, seems I think like if anything, their chances got slightly better. But just because Tuchel's done it before. Yeah. Right? I mean. Yeah, I just think it was just confusing, I guess. I, I You run the risk of upsetting the apple cart. It's not like you bought into nobody. Like I said, Tuchel knows what he's doing, obviously. So that perhaps stabilizes the apple cart. Just, But uh, it just felt unnecessary to me, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. Yeah, and like it's one of these, like, I guess, I guess we'll see, man. I don't usually have a lot of uh reasons to doubt Byron but um Spurs have just to kind of put a bow on it right Spurs have named kind of a caretaker manager for the rest of the year so they're not going to be hiring someone else as we get into the top 4 push with the Premier League reset we have about 10 to 12 games left with most teams right there is some variance here as we come out of the kind of we're in the home stretch so we got the top four push, right? We've got the title challenge, which is still on. And we've got the relegation battle kind of as a Premier League just to reset us as we go into the home stretch here. Spencer, do we think you guys can close the eight-point gap with a game in hand? I was thinking about this the other day, like just randomly cruising around in the car. And I was just, I think I'm to the point of, no, I don't think City's sure. going to close this gap. I think Arsenal is going to like. It just feels like one of these magical seasons for Arsenal, right? I, it just like City's having an objectively a, a great year. Unobjectively, I'm you sorry, have a forty-two a plus goal differential. Right, You're they're they're well. having they're having a great year. Arsenal's just they're not losing, man. And I just think I, I don't I don't see them losing three of their last ten or something. I'm like, what is it going to take for them to? bottle this so i think cities probably most of their chips in the fa cup and the champions league at this point and i'm just kind of starting to accept that i think do you do you think there's a chance that this could be bottled by arsenal yeah you've got one more against them um i think uh and it has to be a win basically at this point it has to be a win i think kind of it's so nice you guys are the first game at 6 30 in the morning here against liverpool it's like just a statement of intent, which by from both teams really coming out of the international break. It's like, all right, who wants this? Liverpool's in a position to push for top four. 
Um, they've only they have two games in hand versus Tottenham. They're sitting at forty two points versus forty nine uh, for Hotspur, who currently sit in fourth. Um, but really, it's a not a winner take all, but it's a statement of intent, right? Mm-hmm. If both ge- if it's like two two and a really like good game, right? You know, both teams are kind of here for this push, right? If City goes out and does one of their four nil, Holland's sitting in a, uh, um, you know, <laughs> sitting on the crown doing a celebration, right, where his with his uh, legs crossed, then uh, I think Liverpool's probably in a bad spot. But- yeah, and Liverpool kind of notoriously a, a bogey team for City a lot. Not a bogey team's not fair because for, Liverpool's well, a great bogey team. team for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I I think bogey team is probably not fair, but you know what I'm saying of like, they are a sticky team for city to play. A lot of the time they tend, especially at Anfield, this game is at the Etihad. So city has been a little more successful there, but going to be a tough fixture for them. No matter what Liverpool looks like in the league this year, they always play city very well. So I could very much see city dropping points this weekend again. And we might be at, nine or 10 points before Arsenal even kick a ball back off. So yeah, I think I'm just starting to accept Arsenal's going to see this title out, honestly, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the more interesting race is kind of what you just alluded to a second ago, kind of with top four of, yeah, I think city city's obviously in there. Arsenal's in there. And then it's like United Tottenham, Newcastle, all within three points of each other, Liverpool lurking back there, even a Brighton Brentford. Couldn't they make a push? Uh, I think that's all going to be very interesting. Yeah. You've, you've got this, uh, this, like this top three group with United right at 50 points, Hotspur with uh, 49 points and Newcastle with 47 points. And then the next group, Liverpool, Brighton, and Brentford are all at 42 points and they all have multiple games in hand, right? Is kind of the fun way of like the math will start to even itself out here as we get towards the end of the season, right? There's going to have to be like a week where Brighton plays twice or maybe even like, you know, a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday type of thing, right? Um, So there's going to be like very big like weeks for these teams here. Um, And I think United is just, it's an 11 point gap. I don't think they're, there's a conversation we had a couple months ago. Like, can United push for top two? Like, is this going to be a three horse race? It's not. I think it's just going to be a two horse race here, but um, Hotspur act like you care, right? Here's my, here's my advice for every team, Manchester United, try to keep flying, keep Marcus Rashford healthy. Casemiro's the secret to all of this for you guys, right? Hotspur Tottenham um, act like you like each other. Have fun playing soccer and just occasionally like score goals and act like soccer's fun. Newcastle score goals and act like it's not the most difficult thing in the world to do. A one, a a zero, zero draw is like not good enough for fourth right now. And then Liverpool just show up and be good, man. Like you want to have all these like high, like, well, actually for Liverpool, it's can the youngsters can Nunez can uh, Cody Gakpo step up to the level of Firmino and Mane before them. Cause that's what an elite Liverpool team, it has three great attackers. I just think for Liverpool, it's like, can you be consistent? Because when we've seen them good, they're great, but they just they <laughs> How take... about no? They yeah, cannot like, be consistent. That's what they need for <laughs> a top four push is to like, you can't batter United, you know, 7-0 and then lose to Bournemouth the next week. Like, you, you got to find that, steady that ship and right. keep Tie it on the straight United, and narrow. Nash Bournemouth. 
That's yeah. Worth, that's actually better. It's four points versus three. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. I'm really fascinated to see how this top four plays out. Um, and I'm also fascinated to see how this bottom of the table plays out. Because if we're just going to set that up, I don't know. Every single team from 12th to 20th is within four, four points. points of each other. Yes, I don't are. fucking know who's going down. We've had plenty of discussions about this. And we're going to continue to because every week it just changes. This is how. <laughs> it's chaos. We Madness. should, uh, instead of paying Megan money, we should actually get everybody in the group to pick which teeth which three teams they think will be relegated yeah and uh award the uh, championship based on who actually gets last and that kind of thing um <laughs> but seriously um the teams i think that have to like overcome a traditional talent talent gap right southampton bournemouth and nottingham forest are still in the same position they're in right southampton's actually last bournemouth is right there at 24 points nottingham forest relative i mean relatively safe safer at the moment in 16th but those three teams are the teams i think you would expect to go down just based on looking at the roster right Mm -hmm. what makes this so much fun is you have west ham just absolutely shitting the bed every week oh don't do the west ham rant again we can't do it again i'm moving right (laughs) past it but they have okay have they not been worth a rant every single week as david they have but they haven't even played this time moving right on they lose wait till they lose again and we'll have another one (laughs) with like multiple dudes like could like multiple people good enough to play for their country in the world cup Leicester, right also completely shooting the bed and they've been shooting the bed almost worse lately they were doing fine and now they are not now they are down here not doing fine um i did forget everton as part of the talent gap team but sean dice just makes you immune from a talent gap i guess um and then you got like crystal palace who's in 12th but for you know like but they're right there is a team that could get, you know, if they get the opposite of hot, they could be uh, looking at a cheap sell of Wilf Zaha here for like twenty million or something, right? They could be going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the relegation's crazy, man. I, I, I can't even try to make like Crystal Palace is just like so funny, right? Like they fired um, Vieira, like we said last pod, and like just it's crazy that we haven't even talked about them as a relegation candidate until like two weeks ago we're like they're like actually in a relegation race aren't they it's it like, must just be like they haven't gotten any points in like three yeah, weeks yeah like how'd that happen oh. it's just that's i think we're to continue to do that for the next 10 games or so for all of them but yeah. really excited to get back into it like you said we got that city uh liverpool kicking it off this weekend um mm-hmm couple other decent games going on Dude. as well what do we got like everton so Spurs. the other the well the other three i think are that are big are all at the bottom of the table crystal palace leicester for the team arguing to be the most talented and shouldn't be in this discussion you have nottingham forest and wolves fighting amongst themselves about who can make the most signings um <laughs> west ham and southampton um southampton i feel like has been playing well and this is where you insert my david moyes rant for west ham i'm not gonna do it i know it's been done um but like eight o'clock sunday morning you want to wake up and see if west ham gives a shit i'll be there watching see if they give a shit for sure and uh i think brighton brentford's like a sneaky really good game too yeah brighton brentford's is just a good game yeah that's just like the hey do you like soccer this game will be fun like you should like that's like who you show soccer to like, Oh, you don't yeah. know a lot about soccer. This game will probably be fun. Yeah, Either team could win for nothing. That nine o'clock <laughs> window on uh Saturday is looking tasty. So looking forward to that. 
Hopefully the city game does not deject me before that and make me not like the sport anymore. So that's I can still true. watch those games. Ooh, yeah, there's there's a there's a chance Spencer doesn't watch any soccer at all past like seven fifteen in the morning this weekend. <laughs> there's an outside chance I get like three all caps texts from Spencer and uh he's watching a lot of highlights on Monday. <laughs> Well, until uh, later that night when St. Louis City SC plays again because they're just the best MLS team ever. They won again, Andrew. That's our MLS minute. That's the MLS minute. Woo! They have a team. Five and oh. Um, Five and oh. Not not unimpressive. Should we roll? uh, We absolutely looked ahead to the weekend. Roll right into the postgame pint and then uh, get out of here. I got a pretty quick one. I got two quick questions for you today. Let's do it, Andrew. What do you got? One. In honor of opening day in baseball you're a big baseball fan i'm a big baseball fan here mm-hmm. um you have your beloved cardinals mm-hmm. um do you know who sang the uh, national anthem on opening day today for your st louis cardinals <laughs> i did because i was apparently it was like a big surprise <laughs> like they hadn't told it was. Anybody. i saw the whole video on tiktok it was fantastic. right yeah like they hadn't told anybody this and i was because they they played the blue jays right so i'm listening on the radio at work and they played the canadian national anthem they had like some uh like instrumental canadian national anthem thing and i was like oh like this is kind of weird i guess they're gonna do this for the uh american national anthem too and they're like singing the national anthem the american national anthem (laughs) they go uncle charlie number 50 adam winner i was like which hold on a nickname no one's ever heard outside of the city of st louis you know who doesn't need a name nickname adam wainwright good job being a good pitcher for like 20 years dude (laughs) you don't need a nickname your stuff isn't so gross that you're like you know, Mo, you're not Mariano Rivera. Settle down, dude. Um, but my question is to you. Yeah. Adam Wainwright, starting pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, basically just throw, he's been with the team for like a hundred years. Right. Um, basically just threw his dick on the table and said, I would like to sing. He did a fine job, right? Like he wasn't so was bad impressed. that they were just like, Hey man, you've been with the team forever. No, we're not. <laughs> um, my question to you is, what would be because it's clearly just him like cashing in some chips with the Cardinals with goodwill. What would be at your job the best way to cash in all the chips you've earned up? Because hmm. this is clearly just Adam Wainwright showing up and just being like, I want to do this. And they're like, eh, can you sing? And then he's like, yeah, I can sing. And he he was fine. I don't think I'm going to go out and buy an album or anything. Um, I don't think he should release one. Keep keep pitching, Wayne. Ah, uh, see, this is or even kind just of if hard. you've ever seen somebody do it, um, right? Well, I know like there's been uh, there's people in my company like that have worked there for since it started, right? And they're like, uh, there was this one point where I, I think there was a couple like right when I started, they had sent multiple people who had been with the company since it started there was like three or four people that were all retiring in like a two-year period and they just sent them on like vacations i think they were basically like yeah pick wherever you want to go for two weeks you have this budget and it was like a decent budget i think like one of them i think they went to like pretty exotic places and they're just like yeah that's great um the thing is though where it's hard for me to say like what's my cashing the chips thing is that i would argue that my chips are much more valuable than they would tell me they are so (laughs) i'm still looking for a remote stuff so i don't know how much my (laughs) chips are worth when i go to them but 
I don't know. Like, I, I think I could maybe pull if I told him I was like retiring tomorrow, which would be psychotic. If I was retiring at 29, that'd be awesome. But I could probably like, comment and subscribe. Spencer wants to <laughs> retire. That would be amazing. I could probably, I, I think I could leverage my way into at least like a free lunch or something. I'd like <laughs> A Spencer's last day, like bringing lunch for everybody. Type yeah, of like thing. A, oh, I don't know yeah. about for everybody, but I think they at least like spot me a Panera box meal or something. <laughs> I'd like to think. I think I have that much pull. I, I don't. I just. I don't think I have that much pull, honestly, to do much more than that. Honestly, unfortunately. <laughs> How about yeah. you? Do you got more pull to get something nicer? Um, cash I don't. In? I don't. I don't have any pull. Um, but one of my favorite times I've ever seen somebody use pull like that is my freshman year at luther college in the middle of nowhere iowa we had a professor and like they were very big on like you have to attend classes and like classes like can't just be canceled all the time right um except for one professor who just goes and it was monday wednesday friday class and he goes this is a monday wednesday class i know it says friday we're not meeting at 4 45 on a friday every every day for the rest of the semester um and he just said we're not doing it day one and we all went okay great so like by week two we had emails from administration right telling us you have to have a class on friday you have to go and the professor replied all to all of the students and the people in the class like i've been here for 50 years i'm we're not doing it and there was never (laughs) any response to that and it just was okay we were the only it's like a it's like a common class. Like everybody has to take it that school, right? It's called Paideia. Um, and we just straight up never had to go on Friday and everyone was pissed. They had to tell people they, they couldn't transfer into his section of it. People were trying to transfer into his section just to not have to go on Friday. And I've always just really loved that move until Adam Wainwright showed up and was like, I've been pitching for you for 30 years and now I get to sing. I get to sing. <laughs> like I'd love if he did it like every Thursday just for the rest of the season. It's like, no, I get to fly, I get to sing. Um, it's a step down from the uh, Coach K retirement tour <laughs> that he put on for like six months for himself and would get mad at other teams when Coach K like didn't get a gift. It was insane. But um, but yeah. We, uh, Sweet. Jeez. Now we go into the spooky part of the question. I don't have anything spooky planned. I, yeah, no, there is a, you heard it in the background, at least I hope you did. Spencer, I saw the flash of lightning and I was like, are you taking a pic? I like didn't have time to take a picture. And then I heard the thunder come through. So, yeah, um, just a good old Midwest podcast here, man. man. We're a Midwest podcast here and just a good old spring Midwest storm. Tornado sirens might go off soon. I'll be in the basement. Not really. I'll be out in the front porch (laughs) looking for it. You know how we be around here. I gotta be like, I gotta see it. I don't yeah. believe it. I got to see my neighbors will be out there. We'll be yelling at each other, being like, you see anything? Probably have a beer in my hand. It'll be a great time. Well, then we will get to wrapping this up here. Um, final question as a kind of about baseball here. Um, there is a song right now called 98 Braves by Morgan Wallen. And it kind of uh, it kind of tells the story. Well, it's a it's a song. So it relates it to like a love interest that didn't work out. Right. But the song itself gives detailed descriptions of uh, um, the 98 Atlanta Braves, right? Who had Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin, right? Those three big pitchers. Um, Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones, right? Had like all-star caliber players. They won 106 games that season, but they didn't work out, right? They didn't win the title. They lost, I think, in the in the first NLC. round, I think, to the Padres. 
Maybe. Either way, they got they got beat by Tony Gwynn's Padres, right? And the part of that song I think is interesting is like, what team do you have, right, that you love, favorite team, soccer, non-soccer, whatever it is, that you just can't believe they didn't win? Um, For baseball, I've got Who's a your couple. 98 Braves? I've yeah. got a couple of them, right? The, the 2004 Cardinals were like insane. They lost that World Series to the Red Sox when they had done the reverse sweep against the Yankees. <laughs> you mean and, when like, they were Dakota had... in a fever pitch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got like a... They, they literally <laughs> they just had so much more. They, they got to the, like, that team was so good. That well, Cardinals you didn't, team, I you think didn't they have more. Been... I don't know how it was, but you didn't have more momentum than beating the Yankees. Yeah. Well, I just mean they were so yeah. good in that regular season. They're one of the best roster baseball rosters I've ever seen assembled. Like when you look at the names on it, there was like Larry Walker, Pujols, oh, Prime. Yeah. Um, Edmonds, yeah, like Ir- Roland, yeah, Edmonds, Roland. Right. That team was so Who's on your good. pitching staff that year because uh, that's what I can't picture is like, was I, I think, was Matt Morris still there when he was quite good? I, they might have had Mark Mulder, Mark Mulder? yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were really good. This is, and I was only like 11 at this time, so I was testing my memory. The one that's probably a bit more relatable that I was very cognizant for was 2013. When they lost to the Red Sox, also in the World Series, that team they'd won in eleven. They I think they'd lost in the NLCS the in twelve to the Giants, who won, and they went back to the World Series in thirteen. And oh, we should have. I don't know how that core because oh, I don't. That was after they lost Pujols too. They made it back to a World Series. I don't know how that core did not win a World Series because Is they this were the Edgar Renteria season. Or is that the first one? No, no, that that would have been 2004. Edgar Rentrio okay. was there. Another See, yeah, great no, name I'm, to pull there. I'm uh, th- 13 off the, was off like, the dome too. Off the dome. Yeah, I'm thir- up here. 13 was like the um, pools had left, but Yachty was in his prime. He was like finishing top five in MVP. Yachty or Molina. Yeah. Uh, Adam Wainwright was in his prime, who's still slinging, <laughs> slinging out national anthems now, <laughs> along with curveballs. Um, this, this was back when he was a pitcher. <laughs> just, <a bit. laughs> but uh like alan craig was really good for that team before yeah. we like before he like messed up his foot really bad like later bad. on um that team was so good and they had a lot of magic then they i i, I literally don't know how they only got the one in 11 because the team in 11 was probably the worst team they sent to the playoffs baseball is so fluky but just to Throw a soccer flavor in there because this is a soccer podcast. Um, the 2020 Champions League when City lost. <laughs> I did, I don't, that tournament was there for the taking. That was like, even the year they made it to the final against Chelsea. I, I did not, I kind of was on the record. I don't know how you remember it. I feel like I was going into that game telling you, this was early on in our friendship where I was just like, yeah. I don't something about this Tuchel ball. I, I don't feel that good about this. We were heavy favorite. Like I think we were like minus 200, 250 or something in that game. And I was just like, I don't feel like if I was going to bet on that game, I was, I would have bet. Like I wasn't going to bet because it's my team. I'm not going to bet against my team, but if I was logically looking at it, I would have bet Chelsea. Like where could I game. cash in? Yeah. Yeah. Because it just didn't feel right. The game, the one in 2020 though, when, I, I like Real Madrid had already been eliminated and stuff, and you're in the semifinal or the quarterfinals, whatever it was against um, 
Lyon, whatever fucking French team it was. I tried to forget about it. I don't know, but that was probably (laughs) the one that was probably the one that hurt the most of like this tournament's here for the taking and we're losing to some fucking French team with like only three players I even know exist. So that would probably be the one where I was like, that was there for them and they, they bottled it. That one hurt. Um, I could go into hockey. There was probably like 10 blues teams. I thought could have won that. Fucking, I had to deal with the Chicago Blackhawks or Los Angeles Kings being dynasties at the exact same concurrent. Yeah, that song gives me nightmares a couple times in the playoffs. It just, it was literally like, I think I, I, we, our mutual friend Brandon, we talked about it, me and him together, because he's a Hawks fan, of like, the Blues were quite possibly the third best team in the NHL during that whole period. Run. There was just then, concurrent dynasties of the Blackhawks and the Kings taking the turns Kings winning too. Stanley Cups. And then like and the Flyers was, were nasty. Like, Yeah, and the Blues were like always so good, and we would literally always lose to either the Kings or the Blackhawks and give them good fights, but just to, lose. To be them. fair, literally everybody did. Yeah, it and, was uh, uh, that was a tough period. But yeah, that's that's enough of me, you know, it, just venting about my sorrows and my teams that have oh, lost. What, what teams do you got, man? So, I'm sure you got a couple of basketball flavored ones. Let's yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna gloss right over um, the Derrick Rose Bulls. Um, those teams, um, I really do think they were better than the Heat. Um, I really do think they were like. The fact that Derrick Rose isn't—I I can't even get into it. it. Makes me too sad. Derrick One Rose, of the biggest what ifs in sports ever. Absolutely. If that guy had knees that could hold up, man, um, just an all-time great. Literally cut down to his prime, like before his prime. He was so young; he hadn't even hit his prime yet, and he already won MVPs. The youngest MVP in the league. Um, so, like, excusing that whole Bulls team with Tibbs and everything else. My number one. So. Um, in 2011, 2012, junior going to be, I'm going to be a graduate. No, I'm a senior. I'm going to be a graduating senior. Um, the most I've ever been into basketball, right. was right at this time. And my North Carolina Tar Heels had an absolute squad. Harrison Barnes, number one player in the country, John Henson, Tyler Zeller, Kendall Marshall, one of my favorite point guards ever lefty passed the ball ahead. Beautiful ball movement. Roy Williams, best team. And I'll say that again. Um, Roy Williams, best team. I think could go up with the 05 team. I think could go up with the 09 team. But this was truly my team. I think I I must have watched probably every game. And in the second round, they only lost. They're like 32 and six or something that year. Just ridiculous, right? Um, And this was the year that. uh, um, So um, in the second round against stupid Creighton. Kendall Marshall gets his left wrist. He's left-handed. He gets his left wrist injured, right? Earlier that year, we had a backup point guard, or before the season, like transfer out because he was getting eclipsed by sophomore Kendall Marshall, right? A guy came in and absolutely took his job, took his lunch money, and moved on with it. (laughs) They still made their way. I think it was the Elite Eight. And here's here's what hurts the most. We, it was spring break. We got tickets. And drove down to St. Louis, the stupid Edward Jones Dome. And they lost, and then they lost to Kansas, which is, you know, right. It's not a far drive from Kansas to, you know, for to uh, St. Louis, right? So it was already like a hometown team. And with Kendall Marshall, if he didn't hurt his wrist, if he doesn't wasn't injured and couldn't play, 
I don't think there's any team in the country that beats us that year. There's no mm-hmm. chance we're not hanging a banner. Um, and it was horrible. I felt, I mean, Rock Chalk Jayhawk was cool in person, but like, it was nah, fuck those guys. Well, but it, but it was sullied by the injury. It'd be one thing if they showed up and beat us, right? When your point guard and the only position you don't have like three deep at realistically, um, cause this is before everybody transferred all the time everywhere in college basketball. So like, if you went to that school, you were probably playing three or four years and, oh, it just like in person broke my heart. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if we're going to talk about Derek Rose, I also have to talk about my poor, poor Minnesota Vikings. Um, oh, my God. Not the team. I mean, shout out to the Stefan Diggs, Minnesota, Mar- Minneapolis Miracle. Um, but to me, it's the 98 Vikings. You had Dante Culpepper at the height of, like, just being so cool and slinging it a million miles in the air to Randy Moss. The best player I've ever seen play at any sport is Randy Moss. Um, and I stand by that. Um especially in football, even as a guy who had to watch Adrian Peterson, who was the best running back I've ever seen. Um, Moss was literally a freak. And then they had Chris Carter, my favorite player. Um, and the fact that they just got absolutely like stomped by, I think it's the stupid giants, man. It's fucking heartbreaking. So those are my, those are my ones I came up with. One more football flavored one is mm-hmm. this is, this is early, early on for me. One of the, one of my earlier sports memories is like the St. Louis Rams winning in 99, winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. I remember bits and pieces of that. I remember them winning. I remember the tackle, all that great stuff. But then, you know, I had a little bit of the lull in 2000 and came right back. Still greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, all of those guys still on the team, Marshall Falk. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, make it back to the Super Bowl. Heavy favorites in the Super Bowl, uh, going up oh. against a team that lost their quarterback earlier in the year, their their Pro Bowl quarterback, and they've got this backup end that nobody's really ever heard of. That's barely beat a Raiders team off of a weird. You're, you're just describing Kurt Warner. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> Yeah, some asshole named Tom Brady had to win his first Super Bowl against us. That team was so good. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady just it hurt. Like I think at the time. It was like, I was, you know, fucking, what, eight? So I didn't get yeah. it. But it was like, oh, we lost to a nobody. And I think some people just kind of thought that around the world of like, wow, this Tom Brady guy actually managed to beat him. It would have been like if uh, if Brock Purdy would have gotten to the Super Bowl this year and won it or something. and be like, man, we lost to this quarterback that nobody really knows anything about. And, um, you know, with 20 years of hindsight now it's like okay well probably fair to lose to that guy I, I guess that was all right that doesn't look as bad as it felt at the time but uh so that team was so good it sucks that oh. they only got the one super bowl out of it yeah well at least you got a super bowl um i misspoke it was the 98 nfc championship game i got the year right it was they missed a field goal to tie it and they lost to the stupid falcons i believe i said the oh, stupid yeah. giants um it's uh, if you've ever seen How I Met Your Mother, Marshall Erickson is from Minnesota. They have a whole thing about like not bringing up. It is such a painful thing. And I was very young and I just remember being in like the basement of our at the time, like new house and being like, oh, this is so bad. You know what I mean? Like that age where like you wear a jersey, right? Or you yeah. have a jersey or something like that because these guys are like literally heroes and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Is those losses like almost hurt the worst. Like the one hurts the worst. Cause I know the one in uh, 
St. Louis for Carolina is because I know I was there probably with a flat brim, light baby blue North Carolina hat on and a full like, I, I know I was wearing like a full like zip up like starter thing that I got mm-hmm. for Christmas of like North Carolina. And I just had to go there and get shit on by. Yeah, you were basically players. a bench player for them. God, that's the dream. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, but no, I heard that song a couple weeks ago, and I've had that um, idea of who are your '98 Braves circled until it was uh, time to come to the post game pint. But uh, unless you get anything else, buddy, uh, I think we are. Now that we've talked about our most depressing sports moments, let's uh, please get out of here. I have to go. Cry. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I think I've I've relived enough sports trauma for tonight. I'm gonna go watch a tornado potentially run into my house and see <laughs> if that cleanses, see if I see can't if that get cleanses over everything. <laughs> but uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to get out of here, man. Let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up. Just if you're listening, you like what you hear, please drop a subscription, a follow, whatever. Give us a like. Hit us up. A review. Hit us up on Twitter at Fish Fries Pod. Give us a follow there. Keep Send up us with an us. Email. You can do anything you want. Sure. At Fish Fry Pods at gmail.com. So, yes. yeah, whatever. Hit us up anywhere. Tell your friends. Uh, have them listen. And uh, I think uh, that's all we got for today. Unless you got anything, we'll be back next week with uh, unpacking whatever happens and whatever potential trauma we run into over the weekend. Yeah, I can't. Can't wait, man. Um, yeah, unless you got anything else, buddy, I think we're good to go. Nope, just uh, ready to see how Liverpool hurts me this time. So let's unpack it next week, my friend. I'll see you then. See you, buddy.